space is the final frontier. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? Exploring topics like the privatization of space, exploration and technology. And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. In the search for new planets and habitable worlds. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One we are unwilling to postpone and one we intend to win. This is the Explorers Podcast, brought to you by X-Labs. This little guy, which I accidentally broke, but it's a it's a sunlight flower. And I got it literally like 15 years ago. And it sat in my window and it just makes me happy. Wait, is nice. it supposed to have a battery? No, it has no battery. There's a little solar panel on the back. And uh, it it still works. I just broke the flower off and kind of dislocated one of its things in here. Um, I need to fix it Let's this fix week, it. maybe. Yeah. But uh, the flower is sitting over here. I, I, I will get that thing glued back on there. Mm-hmm. No, it's Dude, not pop. real. It's not real. In case you thought it was real, it's not. It looks real. Episode, episode okay. two topic, Matt and Miguel fixed the mechanical sunflowers. Hmm. I think we let's, have the engineering prowess to do so. Yeah, let's let's oh. uh, let's show the engineering ingenuity. That would be an awesome thing. Well, fixing things should definitely be a more mainstream, um, you know, option. Too many, too mm. much stuff going to the landfill these days. Is we don't fix things Agreed. in space either. We just trash it. Mm-hmm. That is also something we should be doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. And that's actually kind of the one of the initial points that uh, X Labs was kind of created around, right? Um, to a degree. Or less. Yeah. I mean the the notion of being able to interact with objects in orbit. Uh, to relocate them, to service them. Those are things that are a big topic right now in the industry. And obviously that's part of what we're looking to achieve at X-Labs is along our journey of getting to our ultimate uh, goal of uh, deep space asteroid acquisition, which we'll talk about. But the servicing and and uh, maintenance of of satellites in orbit is definitely a big conversation in the industry right now several companies are working to achieve that yeah that's actually an interesting uh, connection there it's just the same way that there's consequences um for sending too much stuff to the landfills similarly there's consequences for leaving you know low earth orbit cluttered up with uh with trash so you're right matt the industry as a whole has sort of taken on a new approach to um to see how we can you know address the end of the product life cycle a little bit more responsibly. Um, and it's an, it's an indication of an evolution, 
of an industry that uh, you have you have a step one where we, the novelty of shooting stuff up and putting it into Earth's orbit, and then it becomes an industry: satellites, uh, military spying, and all kinds of activities. Now it's becoming saturated with constellations of communication services, and then we wake up to this evolutionary next step that is necessary to continue the to continue the uh, buildup. That that now we need to start cleaning up our mess up there and manage it, yeah. and maintain it. And it it's hasn't been financially viable though. Like there's been no, no incentive no. for people to clean up the mess they make, but. No. Yeah. We're seeing that with regulatory bodies globally trying to implement, um, you know, end of life cycle processes and budgets set aside for that. And and, uh, and European Space Agency basically committed very recently to a five percent of their launch budgets to be uh, located to mitigation. So their their launch per uh, per uh, rocket is about the cost is about sixty million. So they're going to be allocating 5% of that number, you know, to, which is about 3 million, uh, to mitigation. And that simply means how to deal with the satellite at the end of its life cycle. Does it need to which, be, you know, go ahead. Which could, well, it could, the end of its life cycle could happen early if there's some sort of incident where right. the vehicle becomes yeah. un, unreachable, they lose communications or mm -hmm. they lose power with the vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, and that could happen by many different possible scenarios, an object hitting it or it just having a mechanical uh, malfunction failure. Mm, so yeah. what does it look like to uh, extend that lifespan of a vehicle that, you know, as of today's technology, if it's been up there for a year and something happened to it, there's nothing we do. You know, it's an insurance claim and they send a new satellite up. Uh, but how do we, how do we address those satellites if it is a easy fix? Yeah. I think, I think all the industrial engineers listening in are going to be jumping in their seats because you know, what this, what this points to me is uh, uh, like you mentioned earlier, the saturation, sorry, the, uh, the maturation of the industry. So um, the same way that, you know, I mean, airplanes is another good example we weren't thinking about how did they commission airplanes until um, the industry had really matured, right? So we've been in yep. space for a long time, but it's now that we have more players that we're starting to think about, you know, what does retirement for things in, in orbit uh, look like? Um, and it's an, yeah, and it's an indicative of an evolution of an industry. Now we can really start talking about the space uh, endeavor as an industry, that it's mm -hmm. taking that next evolutionary step. Very exciting, actually. Very exciting. And, and as we've moved into privatization more and more uh, within the industry, we've seen a lot of the inherent costs behind uh, launches going down significantly or, or uh, over time going down significantly. Um, Freyer, what is, does that shift look like? Can you put that in pers into perspective like by a cost per kilo? Yeah. So listen, the, this ties very much into, and I think that we will re, revisit this concept. So it's good to have this foundational understanding to realize what prompted the conversation to found X Labs and, and Miguel and Matthew mm -hmm. will get into that later. But, but to put it into perspective, there are two things that have been happening. Um, not just with the, with the SpaceX Starship program. 
but but Artemis and Ariane have done some of that too. Falcon Heavy and Falcon Nine did that before as well. But uh, the cost per kilo, and we have to think back all the way to the early days of Apollo, and the Apollo missions are not monolith. They evolved from Apollo one through 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 fourteen, and we were looking at as high as, and I, I looked into this to 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 have the accurate numbers in front of me, about $6 million per kilo in the early Apollo days. By the, end of, by the end of the Apollo era, they had ma uh, managed 20,000 kilos in payload at a cost of about a million. So when we transitioned into the space shuttle program, uh, we, had, we had increased our capacity just from 20,000 to 25,000 kilos. And we brought the cost per kilo down below one million. And that was really much a static condition of the cost of uh, space shuttle rocket launches and their, their payload, satellites and otherwise, um, building the space station included. <laughs> um, about a million or just under a million every launch, right, in terms of cost per kilo. Now, and, and by the way, I... I just want to point out that one of the things that enabled that reduction in cost was that a portion of the space program, the space shuttle, was reusable, whereas nothing was reusable uh, prior to that. Mm -hmm. The space shuttle itself was reusable, absolutely. Yeah. That that became a big factor of that. Now comes Ariane and and then comes the SpaceX program with the Falcons, Falcons first and now the Starship. We're looking at an increase from 25,000 kilos uh, with a shuttle to 120,000 kilos with the Starship. This is more than five times the amount of volume. And with the reusability, as Miguel has pointed out, now we're looking at a cost because the cost per launch of the Starship is estimated to be anywhere between three and $10 million per launch. And they think they can do this several times a day. It's it's astonishing wow. it's when you wild. think about it that the same the same rocket can go up several times a day. It is absolutely astonishing. But the cost per kilo of these one hundred twenty thousand kilos per launch, many times a day, could go as low as even fifty dollars. So you're looking at uh, from six million dollars in the early Apollo days to fifty dollars. And, it, and and take that information and imagine what can be done, what can be brought to space, what activities, technology, humans, habitats, everything. It completely well, changes the game. That's, yeah. that's really at the crux of where X-Lab's conversation and theory started. And, and it was when the Starship was being announced, you know, Miguel started having these conversations about how you utilize what are, what are the new mission profiles that can utilize this heavy lift payload and the cost reduction. Um, you know, the industry, and this is somebody who's been coming into this industry myself um, from outside and learning about what's happening. Historically, it's been very focused on size uh, reduction and efficiency of propulsion, which is both are, you know, needed and, 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 and valid, but 
you know, in our conversations early on, Miguel and I and some of the other guys, we started talking about with a lower cost of payload and a much larger vehicle volume possibility, what can you do with that type of accessibility into space? And what can, yeah. you know, what is, what is the market uh, need? What is it moving towards two or three steps beyond this next evolution of technology? No, those are all good points. And just a couple of things that I wanted to mention. Uh, first of all, reusability is the real breakthrough here. So um, the, the analogy that um, came originally for the, for the reusable Falcon uh, program was imagine if you had to purchase a plane ticket, but you could only use the plane once, right? Imagine what the cost of that plane ticket would be. It would be astronomically high. And so the, the, the reusability technology that SpaceX has developed is, is really the uh, enabling factor here for sort of a, a new um, reduction in the order of magnitude of cost per kilo uh, to low Earth orbit um, and some of the other advances in the space economy that, that we'll see around the corner and some of the advances that we've already seen with the Falcon 9 and the Falcon Heavy programs. They're, they're launching just about every week. And I, I seem to recall a, a statistic recently that said that um, SpaceX has more launches than every other provider uh, combined. And so that's, you know, that's really a, a remarkable achievement. And again, just paving the way for um, what's what's next. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention was um, the constraints in payload, um, both in the cost and in the size, um, the, the need for miniaturization and weight reduction was really one of the driving factors for the increased, the, the exorbitant cost in space programs previously. So you're really trying to squeeze out every, you know, gram that you could um, out of your out of your space programs, and that again would drive up the cost considerably. And so, you know, Matt's absolutely right. What happens if we increase our payload capacity uh, by a lot, and what happens if we reduce our cost uh, per kilo to launch by a lot? And so that's when uh, you sort of have a new um, new range of missions that are possible, and that's what we're here to explore. Definitely. You know, one of the big questions I get anytime I, I introduce the concept of X-Labs to someone new um, is, well, that's all great, but why are we, why are we going to space? And, should, and like taking it a step further, should we be taking industrial processes off-world? Um, I think there's a couple key elements um, that play into that answer, uh, but I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are, are on that. Well, I mean, there are a lot of elements that play into that answer for sure. Yeah, I feel like I could talk. I could talk about that it, for hours. There, for sure. There's so many bullet points on that. I think, and I think we should, each we, of us have. Uh, what well, we should, ahead, we should no. I just want to say we should write this down as a question because this is a whole t uh, episode, just yeah. in and of itself. Just this. I mean, question. Everything yeah. from avail the amount of available resources to the damage that mining on Earth while as mining in a in a neutral environment where, you know, the side effects of, of the environmental side effects are, are nearly zero. So, so what you mentioned there and, and you honed in on uh, was this environmental impact of Earth mining. And what that does to, you know, to destroy and, 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 uh, compromise our environment. But then there is also just the volume. Uh, there, the little known fact 
if we were all driving electric cars on this planet today, which California aims to do real soon, there isn't enough lithium to go around on the surface of Earth or in, 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 in the deeps that we can reach. There isn't enough of it. So just, just ponder that. So either we have to develop new technologies that don't include lithium, or we have to go off planet to get some. It's going to be a little bit of both, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but. so you're looking at, you're looking at a scenario where like protecting the planet is one component. Just acquiring the necessary volume of the material is another component. There are so many reasons why we need, need to. It's not about wanting to. It's about needing to go off planet. And it's mm-hmm. the right thing to do for the Earth to go off planet. And, and, and we haven't even started talking about the philosophical element of the destiny of humanity, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the insurance. Elon has spoken through this quite a bit, the insurance policy for the preservation of the species. I mean, there are so many reasons. Multiplanetary yeah. species. Yes. We, we have to get, up, get our asses off planet. We were we were Simply born put. here. We weren't we weren't meant to die here. Right. It there, is. And, oh, go for the, it, Matt. The, on the on on the environmental impact, you know, there's there's uh, there's this notion that everything we've produced um, and has been developed on this planet all came from this planet. So a- every object, every material, every battery, all was produced on this planet, which consists of in this entire solar system and beyond the only breathable air and sustainable environment for the human race and other life there, you know, beyond that. And the damages that we are doing inside of this dome, environmental dome in the only breathable atmosphere we know exists is, is, is unfathomable. We, we shouldn't be destroying the only place that we currently know exists anywhere for human or life as a whole. We shouldn't be doing anything negative to that environment. So, And, and not to go to dark on this topic, but we are really, really, truly on a uh, self-destructive path mm-hmm. that needs to be disrupted. And uh, I absolutely believe that the space <clears throat> endeavor as a whole and the space economy and the pursuit of resources in space is one disruptor necessary to save our planet. Yeah. And, and speaking to a little bit about like the background of the team, you know, some of us have been involved in companies and uh, organizations in the past that really have focused on sustainability and what it looks like for a greener planet and how we can better become stewards of uh, what opportunities and what resources we have here on earth. And that's, so that's really, that's ingrained into the fabric of X labs is the notion of, you know, not only is this a financial, is this a for-profit financial endeavor that is very exciting to produce and develop technology that's on the very cutting edge of what's possible. But the reality is, is there is a, an, an importance of, sustainability in the existence of the human race that plays into this whole economy. You know, not saying that X labs is going to fix that single handedly, but we as a society need to start developing the fundamental processes and technology and, and mindset uh, 
that we need to do a better job protecting that. And so everybody yep. taking a part in that is, is going to move us that in that in that in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's important for us to be good stewards, like you like you guys mentioned. Um, brought up a, a couple of really good points with regards to you know the environmental reasons for going off planet. But I just wanted to put things into perspective here a little bit. So the entire uh, NASA budget uh, is less than half of one percent of the U.S. government budget. So if the if the all of the government's budget was one dollar, we'd be talking about half of a penny, right? Now, in comparison, the number of things that are that come out of the space program that are positive and beneficial to everybody, like GPS and like cell phone technology, um, are incredibly beneficial. And so, you know, as a as a society, as a culture, and as a species, we spend very little on exploration and space exploration these days. However, the benefits, um, you know, are sort of uh, overwhelmingly positive in terms of uh, what we can accomplish. Um, and so, you know, there's there's lots of very good valid reasons. Fair hinted at, um, you know, planetary defense uh, technology, which which NASA is involved in testing uh, right now. So, so, like I said, the number of reasons to be involved um, in low Earth orbit and in deep space are, are overwhelmingly uh, compelling. Yeah, and from an economic point of view, um, you know, those benefits to moving some of these processes off world are like so extravagant. Um, taking lithium, for example, um, one of you guys can probably answer this a little bit better than, than I can or more accurately, but, uh, could one of you talk about like how much lithium we could get off of a single asteroid potentially? Well, let me throw these numbers at you. Uh, the value of the asteroid belt, not just lithium, but platinum, uh, iron, cobalt, nickel, and a whole host of more quote unquote mundane elements like water, hydrogen, and, 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 and so forth. The value is in the 70 quintillion, uh, arena. What does that mean? That number 70 quintillion? Well, it means over a hundred billion dollars value for every human being on Earth. So, so if you want to contemplate value scale, and and um, lithium in that we can reach most likely within a hundred years, is it more? It, it is going to more than we can consume as a civilization for millions of years. We have the resources in our own solar system to sustain ourselves energy and resource material wise for millions of years. And that includes water, which is obviously the foundational element of life. So, so, so the scale answer to your question is basically it's like it's off the charts. Literally on the charts. There are a couple asteroids that contain more lithium on that single asteroid than has ever been or could be mined on the entire planet. On a a single rock. On a single asteroid. A single mission, a single recovery mission for one of those asteroids essentially doubles or more than doubles our our, our lithium output yeah Yeah. which is absolutely insane right it it is off the chart scale 
That is the first thing to realize about what this means. Once we have the technologies to harvest and control and manage, the, 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 the upscale opportunity is off the charts, literally, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and when you look at numbers like that, it, it becomes very apparent that we are at the very beginning of what is the next great technological boom um, for humanity, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Technological and industrial. I mean, yeah. th- this might be our biggest step. Yeah. You know, for it's, sure. it's, it's bigger than fire, bigger than wheel, bigger than the industrial revolution. It's bigger than anything we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I look at it, it, it. It's bigger than the industrial revolution and the internet boom combined yeah. from an yeah. economic purpose and the the repercussions, the meaning it has for yeah. humanity as a whole over the yeah. next hundred years. Yeah. The the other thing that a lot of people um, bring up to me uh, when they first kind of hear about X Labs or or, or in discussions about the the greater space economy as a whole is well i mean this is all really cool but this is all so far into the future like why does it matter right now for for the average person right um but i think what most people don't realize is we're we're much further along in this process than than most understand um Mm -hmm. in terms of like specific timeline right now with current launches and and um, shifts into this economy, this new economy. Uh, what are we looking at? Uh, obviously, we can't do, we can't give 100% accurate responses. But yeah. you know, just well, I want to point out two two very important milestones that are that are coming up shortly. The first one is the launch of the space launch system. Um, the second milestone um, that is which, which right you had the a part in developing, by the way. But let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. On- Later. Yes, yes, that, yeah, was, go ahead. that yeah. was a lot of fun. Miguel but, comes uh, from the SLS development team, so. Yeah, that's true. The second milestone is out. that um, aspirationally in 2024, when you look up at the moon, you'll be able to point to it and say, there's people up there. Now, in 2024, we, we won't have landed on the moon, but there is going to be a, a round-trip journey uh, with astronauts in the Orion capsule um, that are going to do a, a round-trip around the moon. And so, you know, if you think about the time span of two years, it's really not a lot of time. And, you know, it's sort of um, indicative of how things are moving at a really rapid space, partially enabled by um, some of the advances from the commercial partners in the space industry um, that are, are right around the corner. And that's exciting stuff. There's there's over 500 companies that are uh, developing or have already built components that are being used in the space program one way or another. That's the first thing to realize. And uh, to quote um, quote the administrator of, of, of NASA, uh, NASA is committed to making the lunar project, the Artemis's and all future endeavor concerning the moon, a joint uh, partnership of private and public enterprises. And and what that means is that there's an there's an conscious effort to harvest the ingenuity and entrepreneurship and creativity of startups, small business, as well as big business, to partner with the space agency to accomplish much more than the agency was capable of in the past. And I think this is absolutely the right way to go. 
and because it, it, it sort of taps into the creative juices of, uh, you know, the entire intelligence of, of, of industry as well as anybody else who wants to be part of it. It opens it up for anybody who wants to be part of this adventure to be part of it and, and, uh, contribute. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, I think one of the greatest things that NASA has done in, in recent years is move away from the cost plus model. So, um, you know, that's absolutely right. NASA realized that um, there was a, a potential um, for for improvement that would come from uh, commercial competitiveness um, that just simply wasn't possible with the with the business structure um, afforded to NASA by the U.S. government. And so. You know, again, we we could go on about that for a long time as to why structurally, um, you know, and 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 with regulations and the framework was just not conducive to the type of innovation that we're going to see in this next wave. Um, just because you have uh, commercial partners and um, the motivation for um, proper business models operating in space, and so I think that's absolutely right. That's that's one of the great um, changes that NASA has been able to make. Uh, is to invite that those uh, commercial partners um, along at every step of the way. Along with that, which excites me the most, um, is the fact that in, we saw this year for the first time ever more private investments into the space economy than government uh, programs. So the financial contribution of the private sector is now outpacing government spending in space. This is a great point. The early in, the, in in any kind of economic development, the early indicators of where things are headed are found in the VC capitalization. And this happened when, you know, we started looking at these sort of global contracts, the G7 work that had happened over 20, 30 years, that when, you know, if you're investing in, in, in the U.S. alone and all of a sudden you're investing all over the globe and and including China, and, and all of a sudden, the equation completely changed. But the first indicators of these evolutions taking place were found in venture capital companies. So taking that to the space program and the, and the space economy, we can go back all the way to 2012 that you, could, you started seeing VC companies focused on space economy and space industries. And by 2016... We're talking now hundreds of millions of dollars. The venture capital investment in space industry has doubled every single year. So think about the budget that, that is allocated to, to NASA, which is sort of adjusted for inflation, more or less static, goes up and down a little bit. But here we're talking about private equity investment in the space industry doubling every year over the last four years. So those are the early indicators that something big is about to happen, and it's right in front of us. Yeah, and, and I just want to help qualify this a little bit with regards to the impact of, of the commercial industry. So SpaceX, um, when, they, when they started along, they um, covered a portion of their expenses not from government contracts but from private funding, let's say. And because they had the pressure to be financially um, – um, what's the word? Financially sound, profitable. Um, financially profitable. Just you know, um, their their business model was to not depend on the government contracts in order to um, stand up their 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 product services. 
they were able to develop at least three new rocket platforms in the time it took for a government program to develop one. Not just that, but the technology involved with it, with the reusable rocket technology, just absolutely leapfrogs um, what was coming online um, from from the government programs. And so, again, the 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 impact of having the need for profitability and the need to have uh, financially sound business models is just uh, dwarfs um, the type of innovation that is possible through um, different types of um, of business strategies. And so. Uh, they were able to accomplish, you know, amazing things, and and we're hoping to do the same. And Max, to your question of, you know, is this a reality? When is this a reality? You know, net with the with the Artemis mission, they're sending up satellites, probes, and early sis- operational systems uh, to land on the lunar surface and start developing and 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 putting together the lunar bases and lunar orbital uh station the um lunar gateway lunar gateway uh, my mind and all of that's it you know happening at the start of this artemis uh launch and so it's in process but when it when we talk about asteroid mining or asteroid acquisition um there are a lot of companies developing technologies across the board for how to utilize resources in space and how to mine those, whether it's the lunar surface or asteroids, um, how to process those and, and turn those into usable, um, you turn that into usable material for many purposes, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Our goal at X-Labs is to enable that access in a, in a near, more near-term timeline than what was previously thought. And so we're, we're, we're focusing on the asset management and the acquisition of those resources for our partners in this space to be able to mine, utilize for scientific and and research R&D, industrial uh, uh, machinery development in lunar orbit um, on the lunar surface. Uh, Those are some of our goals that are right on the backside of what's currently happening right now with the Artemis missions and these private companies setting up lunar bases. Yeah, and and not just that. I mean, the the beautiful thing about this is that some of these objects come to us, so we don't even have to go very far in order to um, just just reach out our hand and grab them. And so, but you know, the problem with that is they they leave us too. Yeah. So yes, our goal is to keep, our goal is to keep them here when they do come by. Yes, that's absolutely right. So um, yeah, facilitating access so that we can um, then facilitate the next level of space industry um, is is what we're all about. And this this happens in very logical stages. I mean, we're, we're working on this on a, on a daily basis with respect to planning and, and, and development, but uh, it starts in low earth orbit and services that are associated with uh, constellations that are currently and in the future will be in low earth orbit. Uh, that includes satellites, stations, and, 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 and other equipment. Uh, then it moves beyond that into lunar orbit and lunar surface services. And beyond that, the third step will be deep space uh, exploration and acquisition of resources. Uh, so those, those first two steps are important because that, like what uh, SpaceX is doing to 
develop revenue streams along their way to colonizing Mars, um, you know, we are also looking at what what the technology we're developing also has the ability to achieve in these different environments, lunar, low Earth orbits and lunar orbit. And we've identified, you know, really great batches for our technology set for deep space asteroid acquisition in some of these servicing on uh, the lunar surface, lunar orbit and, and LEO, like, like Refer was saying. So that's foundationally, you know, a... Uh, a, a, rev, a, a foundational revenue stream for X Labs as we seek out this longer timeline of asteroid acquisition and management. I think that's a really interesting and and savvy element of of the technology that X Labs is developing. You know, um, if you were working on the technology just to process um, materials from asteroids, right? you're kind of pigeonholed into working within that one like element or aspect of the industry. Whereas with this X labs technology, I mean, we have several different possible applications early on just in LEO, not even talking about moving on to the lunar, the lunar steps. Um, so there's really so many different avenues and opportunities for partnerships and, and uh, revenue streams and, and things like that, which I think is really, really interesting. It, it integrates us very closely as a network into the space economy. We, it, it enables us to collaborate and partner with private and, and public enterprises in space and, and, and also think about it from a venture capital perspective, that you would, if, 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 if the only goal is the, the, the deep space resource acquisition, um, you would have to be playing and with very patient money, you know, that can wait for mm-hmm. years and years to, uh, until they realize the first, uh, results. Not that many years though, maybe 10, maybe eight, maybe even six. But, but with these, uh, f- low earth orbit and lunar op- operations, we will be able to, um, start generating revenue much, much quicker. And, and, and guys, we haven't really talked about the technology as such. I think the best way to describe the X-Labs um, technology and product set is with an analogy. Um, if you think about um, this, the satellites that go into orbit and the way that we handle infrastructure in space now, it's as if everything is in its own little bubble. And I think that served us well, um, you know, for the initial phase of space exploration, but what we're developing is a series of mobility solutions that will allow us to be a lot more hands-on, if you would, um, with objects in space. And so that could range um, anywhere from, you know, trying to manage debris um, to uh, station keep for existing products in orbit um, to allow us to uh, perform refueling services um, for existing satellites and products. Um, but also, again, uh, uh, being able to sort of reach beyond um, what's technically possible today, um, just because we've we've had such a gloves-on approach uh, for everything space-related up until this point. And so, again, there's there's been very good motivations to have that approach. Um, but when we think about an industrial um, economy and an industrial uh, um, environment, you know, you really need to have a lot more 
mobility. You need to have a lot more uh, hands-on approach in order to um, make those things a reality. And so, again, what we're talking about is a technology and product stack that is scalable, that goes from um, low-Earth orbit um, and is usable in some deep space applications as well. And it's really just going to um, ch change the game with regards to what is actually possible uh, for object-to-object -object interactions in space. Again, an indication of an evolution of an industry that we go from um, th throwaway mentality to management and maintenance uh, yeah. as, and, as, and, as integral components. And what we're seeing a lot of the attention right now um, um, from companies is in space infrastructure. And so when we think about space infrastructure, we think about telecommunications and imaging um, and some other applications. But infrastructure is also being able to manage um, your objects that are out in space. And so, you know, if you think about a factory that's producing something, at some point you're going to need a forklift just to move things around. And so, um, again, we are talking about robust technology that is able to handle a variety of use cases um, that just uh, adds a new element to mobility in space. And these use cases are directly in the pathway of where we're headed as a company and our goal of deep space, you know, acquisition. Um, and so, you know, while we're developing this technology for our purpose uh, as, as an organization, uh, it, it can be utilized and played across multiple different um, services. So there's so much to talk about with respect to the, this endeavor and and uh, what we have in store uh, as a company and what the industry aspires to do. I mean, there are private companies developing the vehicles that are going to be driving around on the surface of the moon. There are companies that are building houses and hotels to be placed in low Earth orbit. They're going to be 3D printed metal habitats that are going to be placed on the moon that are in development. Uh, biomedical research is going to move off planet where, you know, the lack of gravity and the vacuum that space provides is going to enable us to do things we cannot do on earth at a much larger scale too much. So, so the whole thing, spells complete evolution of human capabilities that is that is like we said larger than anything else that we've ever done as a species before combined and that is the exciting part of what this is what does do the next 10 years look like i can't wait for the artemis to go around the moon i can't wait for the first landing of humans back on the moon and with the intent of staying not just sort of taking samples and coming back home and, and waiting another 50 years. No, we're going there to stay. And we, we are not even thinking about it as a destination, even if it is. And we're going to have a permanent moon base. But we're also going to be using it as a stepping stone towards Mars and beyond. So we're at the cusp of a, a new world here that is so exciting, so big. And has so many opportunities and positive impacts, capabilities of humanity that it's it's just incredibly enjoying to be part of it and 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 watch this evolve. 
and unfold on a daily basis right now. Yeah, I, I agree with all those points for, um, you know, and one of the other reasons um, that, that motivates us to do what we do is because um, we remember what it was like to be inspired by the space programs when we were young. And so, you know, with all of the things that we've talked about with the upcoming programs and the, the new scale of the space economy, we want to extend an invitation um, to, to the, the public at large to be inspired and to be part of um, and to, you know, just be involved with um, with this new stage that we're talking about. And so, you know, whether that's um, to, to have people come alongside us um, for, for business purposes, but um, to, to just be inspired um, and to be motivated to, to look forward to um, the discoveries and the things that are around the corner. Um, that's part of the reason why we're here. We want to share all of this exciting news um, um, with folks and just uh, help help people imagine what it would like for them to be involved um, in this new industrial revolution. I think uh, I think we've kind of hit on every everything that we really wanted to to touch on in this first episode um really kind of this has really served to kind of lay the the background framework into you know how and why uh, we are as a company are doing what we're doing um and other companies as well are doing what they're doing um so i'm looking forward to diving in the rest of the season um kind of talking a little bit more specifically on some of these topics. Um, but other than that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And, and if you guys have anything uh, to say before we sign off. I'm excited to keep this conversation going. And, you know, uh, we have a, you know, this podcast and a Discord community of folks that are interested in what we're doing, space in general. And I just invite anybody to jump on there. You know, you can... Uh, reach out and connect with the team and ask questions and have a conversation. We're all on there. Um, we want to bring as many people with us in this journey in as many creative ways, utilizing technology to, to bring folks with us and have, be a part of what we're doing. And we're trying to identify, you know, what are the ways to do that? And, um, feel free to, you know, keep listening to this podcast, ask us questions on our discord, jump in. We're all on there you know, we're, we're open to, uh, engaging with everybody. So. Absolutely. And, and for those of you interested in checking out our community, uh, you can find the link to that discord on our Twitter page or on our website, but our, our Twitter is at X labs co, which is, and that's at E X L A B S C O. Um, so feel free to look us up there. Give us a follow. We also do, uh, a weekly spaces on Twitter every Friday morning um, where we kind of talk about some, some similar topics that we'll, we'll cover in the podcast over time, but um, it's a little bit more uh, a little bit different format. We'll usually bring some of our community community members up on stage with us to participate and ask questions. And um, so please, we encourage all of you listening to um, participate uh, outside of just the podcast. Uh, we have so many interactive opportunities to um, to speak and and interact and and explore with us, um, and we are really excited to continue to bring more of more of you listeners into the fold.
on, on that side. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Explorers Podcast, brought to you by X Labs. X Labs is pioneering resource exploration and management by developing capabilities that enable the acquisition and access to rare and valuable resources. Utilizing these new super heavy lift rockets, X Labs is developing the next generation of space vehicles for exploration designed to capture asteroid resources. Our vehicles will go deep into space and carry out missions and some of the first ever private enterprise accomplishments in space exploration. Be sure to subscribe to wherever you are listening to this podcast. And for more information on X Labs, head over to our website at www.xlabs.space to stay updated on missions, ask questions to members of the company, or to learn more about how you can be a part of X Labs.